Good afternoon, sunny Burbank, California. Welcome to Canada 11 Live. This is DJ SK. And this is Mo. You know I want them chili cheese fries. <laughs> Love the intro, Mo, as always. Today we're going to hit the topic of tax systems in the state of California, local laws, and how they've affected the cannabis community. Back in November 5th of 1996, uh, Proposition 215 was officially installed uh, and regulated in the state of California. What it meant was that um, companies could get a permit to possess, cultivate, or distribute marijuana for medicinal use only. Now, they had to go through the certain, um, certain permits through the state to be an official company that was for medicinal recreations, uh, uh, recreational prescriptions only. You had to go to a marijuana doctor and be diagnosed with said ailment, a lot of times depression, fatigue, uh, appetite loss, whatever it may have been, a sore back. You would get a handwritten prescription from a quote-unquote doctor, a.k.a. the weed man, and you'd be able to visit any licensed dispensary and purchase marijuana legally. Um, at the time, they did have edibles, flour. They didn't have the concentrates that were prevalent today, but they just had your basic cannabis products. I mean, they well, had hash. Yeah, yeah, no hash. So that's probably the extent of concentrate. Yeah, yeah, hash, hash oil, um, flour, or a whole bunch of different strains, mainly in 1996. We know the Kush was the big thing, especially here in Cali. <laughs> if you got real lucky, you got some fine sour diesel straight from New York. That was the real sour diesel. Yeah, man, it's funny. They actually call it New York diesel when you're in New York. Because it is. Yeah, no, because it's actually, it's it's so funny because the best diesel is grown on the East Coast. A lot of people think, well, a lot of people know that climate has a lot to do with cultivation, uh, getting the right nutrients, the right sunlight, um, the right weather, and cold, altitude. hot, all that. Yeah, altitude's big. So California, Oregon, Washington, always Colorado. prevalent. Yeah, in Colorado, prevalent cash crops. But when it comes to East Coast, uh, you know, Massachusetts, New York, not the best places to grow flour. Virginia but certain flour. strains, certain strains like New York sour diesel are the cream of the crop. I mean, I've had sour diesel from the West Coast and I've commuted four hours on the East Coast to get sour diesel. So, I mean, that tells you the quality of the product that they had. Uh, but back to the topic of uh, cannabis laws. And laws. Yeah. Um, you know, what I, what I think that most people are frustrated about is just how high the taxes are. Not that they're having to pay taxes. I think that everyone is comfortable trading off uh, that, let's call it an arbitrary 10 to 15 percent uh excise tax um in exchange for a the freedom b the legalization and c the the elimination of a large criminal element um you know i i personally had some uh criminal things happen uh to me been victimized by uh around the cannabis industry not by people in the cannabis industry, but just, you know, around the situation, around the area in private deals, right? Before legalization and before you could go to just a club and walk in and just like you would in a liquor store and buy some cannabis and be on your merry way. 
So for most people, I think it's fine. They don't they don't mind paying the taxes. It's just how excessive they've gotten. Um, there is an economic principle that essentially states that once you've reached uh, a point in sin tax, that's taxes on things like alcohol, gambling, prostitution, cannabis. In this case, cigarettes is the most prevalent one that you that you see typically. Um, what you typically find is once you pass the threshold of 15%, you basically are encouraging the consumers of that sin product to create a black market. And I think that my biggest worry is that the government just sees it as a way to get rich off some stoners, and they should see it as a medicine, and they should also see it uh, as a way to end, end the war on drugs as opposed to potentially push it further even more into an abyss. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, that That's the major complaint that I get at my shop is the excessive taxes. And a lot of times, like you said, it's not even people complaining that they're paying to the, the tax itself. As, as long as I explain to him why it's that way and where the money's going to go to eventually. I always uh, look at Colorado as the prime example of somebody who did it the right way. It took them a while to get the whole ball rolling, per se. But after the first three years, I believe, of the legalization, everything started to come back to rebuilding schools, uh, rebuilding real estate, opening more jobs overall just due to the cannabis industry itself. People literally moved to Colorado to work at a grow, in a harvest, trim, whatever, whatever job they could pick up, they moved to Colorado because it was good money. I had a really good friend from high school. Uh, his, his, his name is irrelevant, but uh, I grew up with him. He was one of the first people that I used to smoke weed with back then. Um, we used to sit on his couch, and his grandma used to come in and yell at us all the time because we were always getting lit. But he moved out to Colorado to pursue a real estate career because he knew how advantageous it would be due to the cannabis industry. So now he's one of the most successful people that I know. Never went to college for a degree. Got his uh, real estate, you know, licenses, everything that he needed from that perspective, and is now doing it better than anybody that I went to college and saw get like an actual degree. So testament to, uh, I'll go ahead and name drop him, no last name, Danny. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like Danny knows that the most important thing in life and in business, location, 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 always, you know, real estate is the one investment that can get sick but never die. We're kind of getting... A little off tro topic there, but not really if you think about it, because it is very important to understand the financial background of, of cannabis and how it's going to be affected by our tax dollars and where those tax dollars eventually go. Mm -hmm. And really, the types of jobs and industry that the cannabis industry brings to their respective cities, states, and counties and municipalities that they end up being in, not only creating jobs for people like butt tenders and sales associates, but farmers and and people who the migrant workers who trim not to mention also like branding artists and um or sorry branding firms and marketing firms and there's now a huge influx of money being shelled out by cannabis companies for talent so there's definitely a positive impact on the local economy not to mention a significant decrease in the prison population the arrest record the you know the number of arrests that need to be uh put out because now you've essentially com completely eliminated a substance as illegal, so you don't, don't need to arrest those people anymore. Uh, you also uh, do a great deal of um, community outreach with those tax dollars. 
like you were mentioning, building schools, building great building playgrounds, uh, having, I think there's a clean water initiative, if I'm not mistaken, in Southern California with our tax dollars as well. So there's a lot of public good that comes out of it. The, the, the type of analogy I always like to use is like with cigarettes, like even if you don't smoke, like, you know, look, it's one thing to be like smoking cigarettes is bad. It is. It's terrible. It's like the worst thing you can do for your body just about. But you know what? That person is willing to pay the tax, that syntax on it, and that tax does go to to doing something good. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this goes back to the original idea behind legalizing marijuana where, you know, instead of making something illegal, let's actually make it legal and make it work for us. Hey, let's do it the right way, homo. Wouldn't that make sense for everything in society if everybody just played that part? Because uh, Prop 64 has done exactly that for the state of California, despite all the negative energy or connotations towards the tax system. I always uh, try to, with the consumer, it's a positive reinforcement. This tax money will go back to giving your children a better education. Give us a couple years. We will make this right. They have to understand that California is the biggest cash crop out there. We've known that. We knew that for years. That's why it took a little while for the recreational laws to take effect because they had to figure out the proper way to tax it, how to get the right money in the right ways so that we could rebuild our society rather than take away from it and, um, you know, more freeways and stuff that we may or may not need. Let's build schools. You know, why can't we build more schools? That's the biggest issue I have. I I, I pursued a uh, career as a teacher for a while. The money wasn't right. That's unfortunate. So what am I going to do now? I'm going to make more money to build my own goddamn school. How about that? What I really took away from from Prop 64, I think, was more was more of like almost a, not just a legal victory, but like a moral victory. Yes. Because let's be honest. Here, we won. I mean, in California, marijuana, smoking marijuana has been declassified for almost a decade since i started smoking in 1994 to be exact you know it's it's now in some states you straight up get cuffed and have to go to jail and appear in front of a court in front of a judge and you know you might end up actually doing time for it in california for almost a decade you know it's a hundred two hundred dollar ticket maybe you slap on the wrist it's no worse than getting thrown in a drunk tank overnight really the biggest punishment I ever faced from puffing the Chiba, I did get caught with some pot back in the day. And it's okay because all these have been expunged now because it's no longer a criminal charge. And it wasn't even at the time because I only had a little less than a gram. I yeah, was you have a joint? <laughs> I was so lit. I had forgot that it was still in my cigarette pack. So when the cop pulled me over, questioned me, asked whose weed is this? Said, that's mine. Would you give it back? <laughs> to this day, my, my, my buddy Carlos gets a kick out of that. He's like, man, he's like, he's like, why would you say that to a cop? And I'm like, because I don't think it was a crime. And I never have. And I, I guess. wanted it back. <laughs> yeah. And I wanted it back, man. I paid for it. I thought I did it legally. My guy told me it was a medication, man. I believed him. Some people believe that Xanax medication. Just saying. Just to kind of harp on this point to some extent. Um. You know, with taxation does come a lot of a lot of good things potentially down the road. In the interim, though, I do believe that they are essentially forcing the hand of a black market when they don't need to be. At least for the next year or so, definitely. 
Yeah. Right? I mean, and I feel like a lot of it, too, has to deal with the way that they've handled some of, like, the, the small laws. Mm-hmm. The the details, the little nitty-gritty things, like, you know, the compliance bags and things like that. The batch numbers. You know, the they kind of go back and forth. And is it testing? Do you need to have it? Yes, no. Is this lab certified? Like The BBC, the Cannabis Bureau, does not know what they're doing. Mo's right. I mean, you, you just want to have something tangible and consistent. And I think that that's really where their credibility is um, is faltering. And I do think that that does play a little bit into the confidence of the consumer. Um, and to some extent, to the, pro- to the product makers as well and the brands. Uh, and it'd be nice to see them just like really get it right. Um, it'd be great if we could live in a world where that money really did go to schools. Between you and me, it'll probably go to an F-16. Those things are really expensive. Actually, no, an F-16 is not expensive. Those are, those are actually, that's just how old I am. Those are, those are decommissioned. I think now we're on like F-18s or something like that. But but it's okay. Like you said, you know, glass, glass half full or all the way full if you want to look at it like that. And that's the way I like to look at a lot of things in my life. One day my nephews are going to have the education, the resources, all the materials they need to change the world that I wasn't able to change. And that's the way I see the tax system going for the state of California. This money will go back to the proper resources eventually. Give us some time, everybody. Just give us some time. We'll make it right. I, I, I firmly believe that. And my nephew's future, I don't have kids of my own. So that's what I look to as how are we going to be better as a society? <laughs> We're going to use cannabis to build schools and make these kids get away from that standardized education and actually learn that they can be what you tell them they can't be. They can be that rocket scientist when you, when you tell them they can only be a janitor because they don't really work that hard and that's where they're going to end up in life. Yeah, and you know what really can't be overlooked too is just the, a great reduction in the criminal element. It really does make our streets safer, which in turn makes our schools safer, which in turn makes for a better learning environment, which in turn makes for smarter kids. Like everything plays a hand in it. Like we're all a part of this society together. We all play our part. And you know, I'm not saying that like by smoking weed you're going to be making schools better, but like to an extent that is true. Um, I think that a more Again, more overarching and more important part of it is just that the decriminalization. You're no longer taking, you know, someone who is not doing anything really wrong, even by former illegal standards, and basically being able to avalanche them with the system and screw over their lives over a, a roach, right? We've heard these stories in states like, especially in Mississippi, apparently is like one of the worst places to get caught with weed. Texas is no, is no picnic either. But, you know, here in California, now that now that it's legal, you know, we no longer have to worry about that element. There's no now now not only do you have to worry about, you know, you yourself potentially being pinned as a criminal, but now you eliminated the need for the criminal element to provide it. Um, you know, they talk, you know, they always do talk about like marijuana being a gateway drug. I think it's BS. I don't think like marijuana is a gateway drug to other drugs. I think that mar- that selling marijuana is a gateway to selling other drugs. It's a gateway to Cheetos. Yo, all the Eatos, the Fritos, the Cheetos, the Doritos. haagen Gateway to haagen and Ben and Jerry's, baby, <laughs> all day long. <laughs> Hell yeah. Again, please get checks for pre-diabetes if you are a big munchies person. Thank you. And after you do that, do you realize it's the gateway to a good time once you get that clearance? 
Oh yeah, dude. If you're if you're clear, go ahead. Go go right back into that second bowl of rice. Why not? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, ideally, at the end of the day, the te- the tax system in California, I know it's extreme. I I feel it from me being a consumer, but I have faith that if I pay these taxes, it's gonna work out for me. I've been doing that my whole life, though, so hopefully this is the real talk. Yeah, eventually, you know, it's going to have to balance out. You know, at some point, something's going to give uh, where, you know, they're going to have to either lower it or, you know, prices will go lower. they lower the board, it. Or something will happen where it'll be, more affor- it'll be more affordable, less accessible to those who are not supposed to be having it, and more accessible to those who can have it. And I think that overwhelmingly our society is going to see a more positive change as a result. Um, one thing that isn't really talked about is what kind of effect has this had on like Mexican cartels? Um, an extreme effect. They mad. They're real mad, man. A uh, majority of the black market revenue was because cannabis was illegal and there was massive crimes being committed in Mexico because of that. Now that it's legal and we're growing it out here in California, they're very upset to the point where people that I know in the cannabis industry have got direct threats, direct threats. Um, yeah, yeah I know, man. That's, that's, <laughs> I didn't realize they'd gotten to that point. Myself included. I wouldn't even know who to, who to threaten, quite frankly. Myself included. So speaking of some famous cartel overlords, I think this is a great transition into our segment, Famous Stoners in History. My famous stoner in history for this week, I'm going to pick Joan of Arc. All right, don't be so surprised, guys. She did claim she could talk to God, right? That's some pretty stoner talk right there. But I'm not just baselessly speculating. One of the chief complaints against her in her trial was that she was using witches' herbs in order to do her thing. And I don't think they were talking about oregano. You know, so yeah, she definitely smoked some pot and it made her say some goofy stuff. So what? Just be thankful that you didn't live in the 15th century. They probably would have burned your dopey ass at the stake, too. (laughs) That's perfect, man. Uh, My stoner of the power hour today is going to be none other than Snoop Doggy Dog, D-O-double-G-S-N-double-O-P. The chronic. Oh, yeah, we all know how that started out with him and Dre and then came Doggy Style. And it was uh, it was weed in every video let's be honest the house parties he was smoking a joint smoking a blunt he was smoking something with the gin and juice just know it was weed in there that's for damn sure it wasn't no crack cocaine it was always weed with snoop and a funny story with snoop green crack where did that name come from snoop smoked it said oh damn that's that crack low green crack one of your most prevalent sativas on the market thank you for that snoop blessings and with that, we out. Thank you. We'll see you next episode on Ken Eleven Live. I seen you with your other dude. He seemed like he was pretty cool. I was so broken over you. Life it goes on, what can you do? I just wonder what it's gonna take.